Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Now we're going to zoom way out and do a recap that precedes the book of Joshua here in the book of Joshua. Just to zoom out from the present generation of Israelites, the second generation of Israelites, the descendants of those who experienced God's miraculous delivery from slavery in Egypt, wandered across the desert for 40 years, and now their descendants have taken the promised land. It's time to step back and see everything that God has done and just how far back it goes. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. So there's a recount here of the number of kings whose armies have been defeated. And it's not just under the leadership of Joshua. It's going to include some of the victories under Moses' leadership as well. Something about the style that even is rendered here in our English Bibles that harkens back to, get this, Egypt. There are Egyptian hieroglyphs that show prisoners bound with their hands behind their backs, and they're tied to one another, and each of these prisoners is labeled with the name of the king who was conquered. And so it shows the Pharaoh, and then in his train, a long list of defeated kings. Now, Israel has its own. By the time you get to 1500 BC, the Egyptian empire is very much on the decline. And now Israel is very much on the rise. And this inversely proportional uh, swap started with the plagues of Egypt. Here is Joshua chapter 12. The Israelites struck down the following kings of the land and took possession of their land beyond the Jordan to the east and from the Arnon River to Mount Hermon, including uh, all the Arabah eastward. The Arabah is the Dead Sea. Here is a map that shows all of this. This is used with permission. Thank you, LifeWay. Here's the Arnon River. I'm going to jiggle my mouse so you can see it. There's the Arnon River. Here's the Dead Sea, referred to as, as the Arabah. And you can see how this includes the territory of Reuben. Remember that the tribes of uh, Gad and Reuben and then half the tribe of Manasseh their inheritance was, uh, was here on the east side of the Jordan. The Jordan River is right there, and it connects the Sea of Galilee uh, down to the Dead Sea, which is referred to as the Sea of Arabah in today's text. King Sihon, okay, this is back under Moses' leadership, of the Amorites lived in Heshbon. He ruled from Aror on the rim of the Arnon River along the middle of the valley and half of Gilead up to the Jabbok River, the border of the Ammonites. All right, here is, uh, let's see if I can spot the Jabbok right here. There's the Jabbok right there. Um, <clears throat> From Gilead up to the Jabbok River, the border of the Ammonites, the Arabah, remember the Dead Sea, uh, east of the Sea of Chinnereth to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, eastward through Beth Jeshimoth and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. King Og of Bashan, remember these are the two victories that Rahab had heard about uh, right when the conquest of Canaan really began. Of the remnants of, uh, of the remnant of Rephaim lived in Ashtaroth and Edri. So this guy, the remnant of Rephaim or Rephaim, this is like a legendary battle figure. And uh, King Og kind of stands in the shadow of this legendary figure, but they fell to the army of Israel. He ruled over Mount Hermon, uh, Selica, all Bashan, up to the Geshurite, 
um, Maccathite border and half of Gilead to the border of King Sihon of Heshbon. Moses, the Lord's servant, and the Israelites struck them down. And Moses, the Lord's servant, gave their land as inheritance to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. So all of these territories are on the eastern coast of, of the Jordan River. Okay, so there's Reuben, there's Gad, and then as we scroll up, you can see this is properly labeled. Thank you, uh, thank you, Holman team. Uh, East Manasseh. So they have the promised land where you have this allocation of all the tribes, but then these tribes had helped their brothers go to the western coast of the Jordan River to carry out their conquest. And now they have received these lands. They were once ruled uh, by these, these pagan kings, and they were, they were taken out, uh, some of them under the leadership of, of Moses, and now under the leadership of Joshua, they've taken the, the land that is west of the Jordan. And now those tribes, Reuben, uh, Gad, and half of Manasseh can settle on their side of the Jordan River. Joshua and the Israelites struck down the following kings of the land beyond the Jordan to the west, from Baal Gad in the Valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak, which ascends towards Seir. Joshua gave their land as an inheritance to the tribes of Israel according to their allotments, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Arabah, the slopes, the wilderness, and the Negev, the lands of the Hethites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. You can often see these these Gentile um, these Gentile peoples listed uh, together in groups of seven. That has bearing on our interpretation of you know the the seven Gentiles nation seven Gentile nations kind of becoming symbolic for the number seven in the New Testament. As God has chosen the twelve, uh, now the seven can be saved. All right, see the uh, see our study how Christians are made. The Book of Romans, particularly, I think it was chapter eleven's sermon on that. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is next to Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem. It's weird to see Jerusalem in a list of conquests for Israel, right? But Jerusalem wasn't the Jerusalem that we know yet. The king of Hebron, one. Um, Mount Hebron carries significance later, too. It's kind of cool how these would be, uh, these would keep their former names, but would come to take on totally different significance. That's kind of the, there's sort of a testimony in these names, as it were, that as you look at these names and you think you associate them with the will of God being realized, know that those names actually came, the, 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 their namesakes were, didn't honor God. So like it totally changes even the definition, the connotation, the legacy of a given name, that God would take it, conquer it, rebuild it in his image. It's sort of like us. The king of Jarmuth, one. Lachish, one. Eglon, one. Gezer, one. Debir, one. We saw all of these in rapid succession, um, except for Debir. In, in chapters, was that 10 and 11? King of Geder, one. The king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makeda, one. The king of Bethel. What's so cool about this is that this would become like a place where you would go and meet with God. That, that's why you see a lot of churches that have Bethel in their names. Like, that's, where I, that's, that's where I go to meet with God. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lasharon, one. The king of Maiden, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shimron Miran, one. The king of Achshaf, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. This name is going to come up in our study of Revelation next year. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jachnium and Caramel, one. The king of Dor and Naphath Dor, one. The king of Goim and Gilgal, one. This is where they reinstated circumcision and exercised the Passover, where Joshua met with uh, the commander of God's army. The king of Tizra won the total number of all kings, 31. This list bears this structure 
In fact, when I just like, when I just brought it into this document, it automatically formatted it as a table. And what's so funny is that like that tabular format wasn't really started by Apple <laughs> and it wasn't even really mimicked by the Christian standard Bible. Its origins are actually Egyptian and these little bits of code and zeros and ones that rendered it automatically into a table when I brought the Word of God into this document really came from the Israelite way of appropriating, and I, I'd say redeeming, an, uh, an Egyptian tradition, okay, of just your kill list, basically, just to show all, uh, showcase all of your victories. Now it's in the Word of God, but it's not, it's not Egyptian victories, it's the, it's the victories of the people of God. This is how far back this promise goes. Genesis 12, verse 7, The Lord said to Abram, before he was really going by Abraham, Go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All right, this right here is, uh, has huge New Testament connotations, especially in the book of Romans. God chose Israel. They were his elect nation in the Old Testament. And now, because of Jesus, Gentiles can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So it's true. All peoples on earth are blessed through Abraham. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew, the guy who would reside in Sodom and Gomorrah and on whose behalf Abraham would uh, plead with God to spare the city for the sake of the remnant therein. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Moreh, the time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, this promise goes all the way back to Abraham, generations prior. And it's just now in the book of Joshua being fulfilled. All of this territory west of the Jordan, all the territory east of the Jordan, this is a fulfillment of a promise that was made to Abraham. You got to go way back. This is also a fulfillment of everything that God said he would do at the very beginning of the book. Okay, it, a good, good storytelling includes like a hint at the big ending right there at the beginning. Well, this is the, the ultimate story, the word of God. I have, this is Joshua chapter 1. This is the very beginning. We all saw this. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. And now... In our upcoming studies, we're going, to see, uh, we're going to see this realized quite exactly. Everything that God said He would do, He's going to do. And so uh, the upcoming devotions will we'll look at these allocations of the land and hopefully be able to give you a little bit of insight into each of these tribes because they all represent a piece of the promised land for the people of God in the Old Testament. And from this land, the covenant promise is going to radiate out. It's the precedent to the gospel. It's the geographic 
background to a salvation story coming soon to a land near you. <laughs> Especially, it's already come if you are a Christian, you're watching this, and you're anywhere outside of this map. This is where it began, and a promise to Abraham. We see the land allocated, fulfilled in the book of Joshua, and now you as a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, through the covenant that God made with Abraham, having called upon the name of the Lord, having been saved, have inherited something that God started on these lands. We'll talk more about that in upcoming devotions.